If you uh, caught the very first lyric uh, when Hayden started singing, but let me just read it to you. It says, we've come to join the song sung long before our lives. So there's this, this story that God has been writing for generations and generations, right? And then that lyric we sang over and over, be enthroned upon the praises of a thousand generations. You are worthy, Lord of all. Isn't that amazing? There's this story that he's writing and he's literally inviting people all around the world, thousands and thousands of generations of people to join in the song. I remember when I went to Israel, uh, we're coming up on Easter, you know, uh, this, this week, and I went to that location where it all happened and uh, saw the grave where he was buried, saw the place where he was crucified. And what the, one of the most amazing memories I had was this what we were singing about was happening. So I'm walking through this kind of garden-like thing from one location to another, and I could hear a group of people singing hymns in Portuguese. And then I heard a group of Chinese people singing at the same time hymns. And then I saw some people um, that were from, from, I think it was Germany. It sounded like German to me. I don't know. But I could hear all these different people groups singing different songs at the same time praises to God. How does that happen? I mean, that's what this song is saying. And so I I just wanted to, I felt like the best thing maybe we could do is pray uh, just to start this service off. Um, So would you bow with me? Let's, Let's pray. Lord, I'm thankful to just experience this today. to to sing a song together that is an invitation from you to join your story. The greatest story ever told. Just like this series we're jumping into, definitely the greatest show on earth, what you have done. God, it's amazing. And God, I'm grateful to be a part of it because for me, my life is so complex. And quite frankly, I don't even know how to get my hands around it half the time. And so I am so glad that I can come in today and be right-sized in your story. To kind of lift my head up above the fog and see that you are great and trustworthy and that people all around the world today and for thousands of generations have praised you for being faithful to them in their life, in their story. So we're grateful uh, to come today and, and listen to what you have for us, to be moved by you personally, each one of us, and me first. So we're grateful, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, boy, I'm so glad to see you. It was so fun just meeting so many of you in the lobby. Uh, thanks for choosing to be with us here today. 
Like I mentioned, we're in the middle of this series we're calling The Greatest Show on Earth, and it starts with Palm Sunday today, and then Good Friday, this coming Friday is the second part of that story, and then Easter on Sunday. And I, I want you to take a look at uh, a video that we put together. Dave Wilson's going to kind of walk you through what you can expect on these three services. Every magic trick has three acts, and we believe the story of Easter has three acts as well. This Easter season, we are so excited to invite you to a series we are calling The Greatest Show on Earth. Our team has been working to create a three-part journey that begins at Palm Sunday, laying out the story of Jesus' entry to the city of Jerusalem as just an ordinary man on a donkey to his extraordinary act of love on Good Friday. Everything culminates on Easter Sunday as we celebrate Jesus raising from the dead in the most amazing, death-defying act in all of history. A magician knows the secret behind the illusion, but with the story of Jesus, there is no illusion. We believe that this amazing story is all actually real. Join us as we reveal the hidden secrets to this story and see for ourselves the miraculous gift that is offered to each of us through the greatest show on earth. All right, so do me a favor, seriously, pencil that in on Friday night. We have a good Friday service right here. And then on uh, Easter Sunday, we actually have three services, one on Saturday night, okay, and then two on Sunday morning. Uh, for Easter, you need to get tickets. If you're not used to our culture, they're free, so don't freak out. But go online, kensingtonchurch.org slash Easter, grab tickets for you, your family, some friends, and come. Um, and I, one of the coolest things I love about that video is uh, when Dave talked about the team that puts this together, it has been hundreds and hundreds of volunteer people building sets, dancing, you name it. I mean, the clips you saw are actually from the Easter service in one of our last dress rehearsals that you saw there. It's really going to be a great time, so I want to encourage you to come. And when I think of teams that are doing great, I think we give, should give a shout out to Clarkson Basketball. What do you guys think? <laughs> That's so fun. Um, man, uh, my son Davey and I made it to East Lansing on Friday, saw the semifinal game, couldn't do sat or Saturday because had friends over, but oh my gosh, talk about domination, huh? But I just wanted to make sure we just said congratulations to those guys, Coach Fife. It's been so fun. I mean, how many cities ever get a state championship, let alone two in a row like that? So fantastic. Lots of fun. Hey, one thing that's coming up, I've got a couple things, but here, here's what's happening on April 15th, okay, so just a little bit down the road, we're going to do baptisms again on our stage, and let me tell you what that is if you're not really sure what it's about. Baptism is a public declaration of what's happened privately between you and God, how God has become a part of your life, offered his life to you, and you get a chance to say, I'm all in with Jesus. And it's so amazing because we get a chance to hear just a little snippet of each person's story of how God has changed their life. And so it's, it's a really cool experience, a great celebration. If you have, have had a new relationship begin with God and you'd like to proclaim that on April 15th, get online, sign up. We'd love to celebrate with you. Okay. Um, next on that next Friday and Saturday, we're having a kind of a conference called move out. It's going to be at our Troy campus, 
And that's a huge part of our mission. Our mission is to see every single person, right, transformed by Jesus and then mobilized by him. So this move out thing's a big deal. We just don't want a people that, like, like, I think so many have gotten a bad taste for Christians in our culture. People just go to church and look pretty and clean and all that. It's like, no, Jesus has called us to move out into the world powerfully. So I would encourage you, it's a Friday night thing, Saturday morning, sign up, get out to the Troy campus and be inspired to be who you've been created to be, okay? And then lastly, we just finished a series, uh, and it was a capital campaign, right, for, to, su- to support the mission that God's put us on. And we had a pledge Sunday last week where a lot of us took this card and filled that out and dropped it in the, the offering. We're going to do that again today for those of you that weren't here last week. Three different categories. One of them is startup. It's for people that probably weren't even around Kensington um, when we started this campaign. A chance for you to join in with us. Uh, stay in. That's the category I'm in. It's like, okay, I got another year to fulfill my pledge. That's what mine's. I, I checked that box. Uh, step up are people that have already fulfilled there. We have several people that already fulfilled their pledge God has really blessed you financially and some people we have a few people that are saying you know what? I'm gonna jump in for a little more. I feel like God's asking me just to open up So please fill this out regardless of where you are I'd love to have you be a part of it and and put it in the offering later on in the service. Okay Thanks so much for being here again. Let's stand up and say hi to some people around you and then we'll continue <clears throat> consists of three parts or acts. The first part is called the pledge. The magician shows you something ordinary. A deck of cards, a bird, or a man. He shows you this object. Perhaps he asks you to inspect it, to see that it is indeed real, unaltered, normal. But of course, it probably isn't. Come on, you guys are thinking what I'm thinking, aren't you? How do we make you disappear and then come back? Like, how does this all work? How's it going to happen? Here's the deal. We actually want to reveal the entire trick to you, but you got to come back to Good Friday service to see the other part of the trick. <laughs> hey, man, there's always a hook to everything, right? So, but seriously, it's like, how on earth do they put this amazing young lady in this box, and then this closes up, and then it disappears, and you look around, and it seems like an ordinary box, and like an ordinary girl, and an ordinary afternoon, I guess, but it's like something extraordinary, at least we hope, will happen. So, hey, man, give them a big hand. Thank you guys so much for showing us just a little bit of the trick. We want to know more. 
seriously, we're, we're going to kind of continue to reveal that over Good Friday and Easter. So uh, you're saying you're hooking me in to come back. Yep, you got it. Every great magic trick has three parts, three acts, if you would. The first one is the pledge, what we just did. We presented to you what seemed to be, again, an ordinary box, an ordinary girl, and we put it in there. But all of us think if that was just it, that wouldn't work. And so we go to act two, or the second part of the magician's trick. It's called the turn. We take what was presented, the pledge, to be ordinary, and we hope to do something extraordinary with it. We hope to actually make a turn, right, on stage. We hope to either make it disappear we hope to make something go away. We hope to make it vanish. But if that was all, if we ended there, that wouldn't be enough. For you and I, for everybody else out there, we'd want more, wouldn't we? We'd actually say we need more. We want something to reappear, to come back to life, to, 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 to come to us again. Like, we'd want that. That part of the act is called the prestige. That's when we took what was ordinary, made it disappear or go away, and brought it back to reappear to us. And we're taking this Passion Week, we're looking through the lens, that framework, those three acts, okay? We're taking those three acts and we're saying, what would that look like to watch and look at what was appeared to be normal, an ordinary guy that we're going to talk about in a little while, Jesus riding in on a donkey into Jerusalem, coming in, and then a Good Friday is taken away, but the craziest part of this whole thing that we believe is not an illusion, that we believe is real, that we find the cornerstone, really, of our faith, Beyond is that something miraculous happened. The ordinary went to extraordinary. The natural became supernatural and reappeared. And today, and Palm Sunday, we're beginning Act 1. In the next few moments, we want to go on a journey with you together because on Palm Sunday, it was amazing. There were crowds gathered to watch Jesus. And what many thought might be an ordinary person coming in on a donkey, God had sent so much more. And at the very height of jubilation, the very essence of celebration amongst this community, these people singing phrases like Hosanna, Lord of the highest, all the way down to the depths of despair. And I hope our heart is this, that we could take you on a journey today, that you could feel the excitement and the anticipation of what God pledged to humanity, but what took a turn, what was interesting about it, and brought them to the depths of despair and get us to answer a question, who was this man? Who is he really? Follow me together and watch as we experience and feel what took place on that day. Time has come to tell everyone there's a stirring in the air. Children run and fill the streets, they're yelling, open up the gates. Come on and all, come old and young to see the city come alive. The beating drums, the people shout, the king, the king has come. The earth not be silenced, so let your song be heard. And so sad, oh blessed is he who comes for the nations. Hosanna, 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 blessed is he who comes. 
rising in the day as voices echo on. The voices echo on. So revel in the wonder of all that we will see. Feel the hope alive, reverberate the sea. Girls, do not be silenced. So let your song be heard. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes for the nations. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes for us
is this? We're laying down branches that covered the ground. Who is this? The city is gathered, the praises resound. We've been waiting for the King. How could this man be him? We've been waiting for the King. How could this man be him? Question of the day. Who is this? How is it this man rode in on a donkey into a city called Jerusalem, which now even today is somewhat of the epicenter of all civilization, that they are screaming and chanting and praising Hosanna, God in the highest, to literally a few days later crucify him, send him back. We don't want him. Get rid of him. The people asking, who is this man? Today, as we press into that question, I hope that we can actually see that what God pledged or presented no different than what was presented here, that what seemed ordinary was in fact extraordinary. What they thought was natural was in fact God's gift of something that was supernatural, a gift to the world. You pray with me just for a moment. God, I ask that you speak through your story, Jesus, in a way that I never could. God, that somehow we could almost picture and envision and hear the voices of those crying out your name then and some of those that rejected you. But God, I pray more than anything that what was pledged to mankind, that we would see that our eyes would be open and we would see that you, God, are more than ordinary, that you are extraordinary. Jesus, bless. I pray for the incredible people that have walked in here this place today. Maybe some of the burdens they're carrying or the doubts they have. God, that you could give them rest, that you could give them answers. May you bless in your name. Amen. Thank you. That was beautiful just experiencing that, wasn't that? Just this past 20 minutes of, of almost experiencing what took place in that day in Jerusalem on a road that was really headed into this main city. And it's so interesting because as we talk today, it's really Act 1, the pledge. Uh, and what we're hoping to do today is this, that as we go through this story of Palm Sunday, that we go through Act 1 really together, that we're unveiled each step of the way clues, if you would. Clues to say this, that what was pledged or presented that seemed ordinary, maybe there was more to it, maybe it was extraordinary, and that's really our heartbeat today. Have you ever been to, like, a murder mystery dinner? Have you ever done one of those? Raise your hand. Have you ever done, right? Have some of you ever done, like, the escape rooms? Have you ever done one of those? Right? And it's like, and so maybe you're like me a little bit. When I first went to this murder mystery dinner, I thought, what is this thing? You know what I mean? And but it was really intriguing. It had a Western theme, remember, babe? And we went there with our good friends, Jason and uh, Sarah Cooney. And we go there and everyone's at tables and they begin the process and they're serving food. But then like the different uh, storylines come out and you're trying to identify who killed this guy. And, you know, it come to find out, we were revealed more clues. It was like a team of people. 
and, and some, it was crazy, like, at these different tables near the end of the night, people were being revealed that, hey, you're part of the conspiracy, it was you, and you know, and you're part of it too, and then all of a sudden, uh, this clue was brought to my wife, and it was revealed that she was in on it, I'm like, what? I looked over, and I'm like, I don't even know you anymore, you know, <laughs> couldn't believe it, we had such a great time, and, uh, but it was, it's a beautiful thing in our spirit, I think there's something like hardwired into our soul and who we are, that we desire to know more. We want to really pull the curtain back and say, how does the trick work? How does this illusion work? And we're convinced of this today, that Palm Sunday was more than an illusion. It was more than just something ordinary pledged to mankind. There was something extraordinary to it. And so if you would today, we're really going to take a journey through this narrative, through this story. And we're going to look to a guy named Matthew. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are just ordinary guys that God invited on this incredible journey, and they became eyewitness, uh, like accounts. They became the eyewitnesses themselves of what took place. And so when we're reading this, we're re- really reading like not just something that's powerful, but something that's also historically recorded too. And, and just so you know, to set the scene, it was a big deal. Passover took place on an annual basis uh, in Jerusalem, and there was a hope and an expectation for a king to come. They really did. Romans had oppressed, uh, really, like, the Jewish people for a long time. And they were sick of it, man. They wanted a king to come and rescue them and free them of their problems and give them freedom. And so, really, Palm Sunday, when Jesus gets ready to enter in, there is, like, an anticipation and an excitement in this crowd like never before. They are expecting something so powerful to come in. They want a king to overthrow, really, the Roman oppressors. But we're going to discover on the way... That God, even though that's what they wanted, they thought this is what we need. He was going to take the ordinary and he was going to do something extraordinary. So follow with me as we reveal these kind of clues together and see what's behind the curtain. Matthew 21 opens up and it says, As they approached, this is Jesus and his disciples, to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. It's just like a little town really near Jerusalem. Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken to the prophet, referring to Zechariah, which we'll talk about in a moment. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of the donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit. So the first clue we see is this donkey. And you might say to yourself, that's not really extraordinary. There's nothing really great about some guy riding in on a donkey. And I I don't know about you, but for me, every time I thought about Palm Sunday, every time I was in a service and I, I thought of Jesus, I pictured Jesus riding in on a donkey and this might be sacrilegious, maybe I shouldn't have done this, and I still do it kind of, but I always pictured him riding in on this character right here. I, I don't know why, <laughs> I know, right? The king of kings, you're like, Jeremiah. And, but I, I just pictured this, and I thought, really? For real? Like, that's what you wrote in on? Like, you're the king of kings, you're gonna, you're gonna like, rescue this whole Jewish population, you're gonna free them from Roman oppression, and of all the vehicles and things you could have chosen to ride in on, you picked a donkey, <laughs> you know? Like, I, I think about this, Marie and I, when we'd ever, anytime we'd ever go see, like, a really exciting movie, or, like, I used to love the Mission Impossible movies, 
It was kind of the era when we had minivans, and we get out of the movie, and fellows, I don't know if you do this, if you see a great action movie, and I'm like, in my mind, I'm on mission, man. I'm going to go rescue somebody or do something great. I'm like, I throw it in drive, and I'm flooring it on the parking lot, and I'm ripping through everywhere, and I'm, I'm flooring it on the expressway, and Maria's like, you know, we're in a minivan, don't you? <laughs> it's like one of, the, one of those moments, you know, and like my vehicle of choice would be a Lamborghini or something crazy, you know, but like, so we look at this, and we're like, why is this a clue? There's significance to it. See, in Zechariah, which is really interesting, he was a prophet. In, in chapter 9, we read this to you. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. And you just heard that language in Matthew. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. See, this was prophesied that this was going to happen when Jesus tells the disciples, Hey, you two, I, I need you guys to go up to town, ask for a donkey. If they say, What's the deal? You're taking my donkey to say the Lord needs it. Like, you know, uh, can you imagine pulling that off, like walking in somewhere and like, hey, the Lord said I needed this. They're like, take it, buddy. You know, like they might be nervous if he said that. But, but he was fulfilling what Zechariah said he was going to do. And in, in really in ancient times and those customs, what would take place when you rode in on a donkey, it symbolized peace. And it symbolized that a king was riding in. If you rode in on a horse, it would be different. Like a war horse, you're coming in to like tear it up and you're going you're gonna to fight. And that's what they wanted. But Jesus comes in on this donkey. And what's interesting is Solomon, right? You guys know that name, one of the wisest men to ever live. When he was inaugurated king, he actually rode in on a donkey. And it's so significant in that when other people come in on a horse, it meant the opposite for them. And I just wanted to kind of give you just a, a few other clues here. Zechariah goes on, he says this, he says, take away the chariots, which was like really the main vehicle of war. He says, take away the war horses. We just talked about that. He says, the battle bow will be broken. He says, get rid of that. He says, he will proclaim peace. Remember that word, peace, to the nations. His message will be one of reconciliation. His rule shall be from sea to sea. Do you hear that language from sea to shining sea? Does that sound familiar to this language? Like there's a desire to have a king come in and be sovereign and bring peace and bring tranquility. And, but they wanted a warrior. And Jesus was bringing the opposite. And the first clue they missed in this prophecy is that God was trying to bring peace to their nation, not any more war. They've had enough battles. Have you ever looked around and you just think about in our, our own country, like the political climate, it always seems to be at odds with each other. The global and economic system seems to be at odds with each other. And there's always wars going on. There's things going on. And peace sounds like a pretty good offering, doesn't it? When you stop and think about it, no different then than it is now. But the second clue that we go on in the story, the first one we see is that it comes in as a donkey. Remember that. The second one is palms. Verse 8, it picks up and it says this, A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. You say, okay, what's up with this? So all of a sudden, like, right, he's coming in on this donkey, he's bringing in peace, he's ushering in peace, and all of a sudden, like, there's cloaks. I, I always think of, like, for some reason, I think of people back then, I think of, like, Star Wars, like, the Jedi, <laughs> like, the cloaks, they give a good visual, I know, I just, I'm, I'm so sacrilegious today, forgive me, so, anyhow, like, the cloaks, they come off, and they throw them down, because it's, like, they're kind of saying, like, this is, we're rolling out the, what, red carpet, and, and how many of you, you ever watch, like, the Oscars, or anything like that, and you watch when the red carpet's there, well, really, one of the greatest actors of, I think, of our time, and, an actor who would just, like, superb, dynamic, and the leading actor, really, in Hollywood today, uh, I, I got a picture of him, he's on the red carpet, right here, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, you guys know him, right, right, greatest actor ever, I know you feel the same way I do, so, but he is a good actor, I always see people rolling their eyes, don't roll your eyes, I saw you do that, so, 
but it's more than just rolling out this red carpet. It says that they're taking palms too. They're taking these palms and they're actually saying, you know what, we're, we're, some of them cut branches down and they're throwing them down in front of Jesus' feet and, and they're putting them down there. You say, what is the significance of that? What's interesting about the palms, a lot of people think Palm Sunday, they think these represent peace. And they actually don't. They represent something opposite. Did you know in the Jewish currency, that palm leaf was really similar to what we would equate to the stripes on our flag? That we have great honor for that? That when we see the flag, how high that we rather do the Pledge of Allegiance or we could salute to the flag? Or if you're at a military funeral and the flag is folded up, there's a, there's a sacredness to it. There's really something substantial with gravity and weight to it. And that palm tree, that's what that represented in that moment. And so I want to actually show you this Jewish currency right here. A lot of people don't realize that it's a picture of a what? Palms that are on there. And so when Jesus came in, when they had the palm leaves originally, they were like, man, you're back. You're going to free us from Roman oppression. Like you're going to actually, you're going to help us. You're going to do something great and incredible, right? But it wasn't the case. Like he was coming to bring peace and they again wanted him to bring war, they want him to push back. Have you ever felt like that, though, with God? Like, like, you're like, God, could you just come down and really, like, just deal with my issues? Could you help me out with this family situation? Could you free me from my in-laws? I'm just kidding, right? No. Like, could, could, could you, I'm going to pay for that one later. Like, could, could you do so? <laughs> I have great in-laws. I really do. I don't even know why I just said that. Uh, so, <laughs> it's a Freudian slip. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. I'm like, I'm, I'm in a ditch and I can't get out, man. I need help. So, anybody, anybody. Uh, but this meant something different. This huge currency. In fact, at this time, I'd love to invite the ushers, if you could just go ahead and come down, and we'll take our offering this moment as I explain this a little bit further. And for some of you that are here as our guests, or you've been kind of checking us out a little bit, you don't need to feel pressure to give. Uh, many of you call this place home, and you call this place a place that you feel like God's invited you to be part of our community, and we love that so much. And so thank you for your giving. Some give online. I uh, appreciate that. And again, like Mark mentioned earlier, if you have your pledge card, uh, you can give that too. So, but kind of furthering the story a little bit, they've got these, well, some of them cut the branches off and they, they threw them down at the feet of Jesus as he came in, riding on this donkey. They got the point. They're like, oh my gosh, this guy was coming to bring peace, not war. He was coming to like unite us as a nation. He was coming to free us in a different way. In fact, like they would actually take these palm branches and they would clap them together. I've got some sound our tech teams put together for us. Like they actually have sound that it would make. They would do this. They would chant this. And they would make that happen. And that was, if you've ever been to like a sports stadium where they've got thunder sticks, those inflatable things, and they're like railing them together, whether it's a big soccer game or football or whatever. That's what would take place. These represented something. They wanted to fight back and push back. But some of them got it and they're like, no, 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 no. I think I know what's going on. This guy, Jesus, he was here to actually bring peace for us. And they just, they laid them down at his feet as he went over them. It was totally different. I thought to myself, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's another clue. Like the donkey represented peace coming in, not war. These palm leaves, branches, and this Jewish nationalism, this pride to push back Roman oppression. They're like, yeah, let's fight. And Jesus is like, no, 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 I'm, try I'm trying to bring peace to your nation. This third clue, it picks up right here, and I want to read it to you. It said, the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked the question, who is this? 
The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Like people are ecstatic and happy and they're singing and, 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 and they're just like, they, they can't get enough. I, I, it's so funny, yesterday, my wife goes, I had the strangest dream about you. And I said, what? She said, it was like a voting thing at Kensington and you got voted, <laughs> you got voted happiest pastor at Kensington. It's <laughs> like, what? I'm like, not coolest? <laughs> She's like, nope. <laughs> happiest. And I, it was just like a weird dream, you know, I don't know. But I'm thinking to myself, but this is like way more significant. Like this is like, they are overjoyed and they're singing. And I, and I just have to take us there for a moment. I asked Christina, that's part of our community and has a beautiful voice. Um, if she would be willing to sing just an excerpt of that moment to be standing there. And just imagine right now we're in this crowd and we hear these songs being sung. We hear Hosanna being shouted from the heart. Hosanna. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. I love, when I asked her to do that, I said, I really want us to feel and experience, like, why that question was prompted. It gives more weight now when we read that scripture, Hosanna in the highest of heaven. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred, and they're asking, some are asking, like, who is this guy? He's right, did you see him riding in on a donkey? Clue number one. Right, and he's bringing peace, and all of a sudden, like the palm branches that were for nationalism and war, and our and they're on our currency, they're being laid down at his feet. Could it really be that what was ordinary is truly extraordinary? That he has the power to bring peace to our nation. He has the power to bring peace to our home. Is this possible? They're asking this, and they're going through. And finally, this fourth and final clue that we look at right now as we're just journeying with Matthew, and we kind of switch over to Luke for a moment because he has a different take on what took place. And Luke, again, is friends with Matthew and they're there and they're eyewitnesses of what's taking place. And and watch what he says to this fourth clue about rocks crying out. He says, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Like, tell them to be quiet. Are you kidding me? They're singing, they're cutting branches, they're doing all this stuff. What is going on here? He replied, being Jesus, He said, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I love that. He said, if they don't say anything, the rocks are going to cry out. He said, they're going to shake, they're going to rock, they're going to do, you know what's so interesting about this statement? Two things I'm going to share with you right now. Number one is that when Jesus was crucified, in fact, I want to, again, invite you back to Good Friday. It's this beautiful experience that, that really a lot of people put time and energy put together to capture what Jesus goes through for you and I. And when the Bible says that when he actually was like crucified and died, that there was historians even say this, that the world grew dark, the earth shook. It's, it, it's interesting, uh, almost even geologists will say that when tectonic plates, they shift with, under the earth's surface and the crust, it's almost like the rocks are what? Crying out. 
There's that one moment, but it speaks to something even deeper. Look what Jesus says. It says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, listen, he wept over it and said, if you even had known on this day, I want you to really focus in with me here, what would bring you peace? What would bring you peace? But now it's hidden from your eyes. That word wept literally means Jesus was sobbing. It is, it is inferred in the Greek to say when somebody says you're weeping, no, 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 you're crying uncontrollably. Your heart is heavy. Has your heart ever been heavy? Is your heart heavy today? Have you walked in this place and you thought, if I could be totally real and let my guard down and be completely honest, my heart is heavy. My heart is distraught and it's heavy and it could be from a myriad of things. It could be a relational, just like tough situation you're in the middle of. It could be from a marriage that feels like it's splintering apart and you're trying everything. Maybe like even for like Marie and I know, like with raising kids, there are moments, like I don't know about you as parents, but for us, we have difficult moments where we're like, we just need peace in our home. We can't get our arms around this and figure this out. Some of you have walked in here and you're battling against depression. Nobody knows you walked in and everything seems like, hey, but really secretly you're hurting and Jesus is sitting there and he's weeping for these people. Why? Because he knows that many of them will reject the peace he's trying to bring. He says, if you only knew the peace I'm trying to bring you in your life, I know what you're going through and I know it's hurting and I know you feel all alone. He says, I'm I'm trying to bring you peace. He said, everybody wants me to bring war, but I want to bring peace. And he goes on further. I want to read this to you. He says, the days will come upon you. This is the second reason he's, he's weeping, he's crying. When your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side, then they will dash you to the ground and your children within the walls. So they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time, referring to Palm Sunday when he's there, of God's coming to you. There's a guy named Titus, 35 years later, that would come in. He was a Roman uh, commander. He was a Roman ruler and he would come in and he sieged Jerusalem. This is what Jesus was speaking of. And he did exactly what scripture said. He embanked or embarked all the way around him. He built a wall five miles around Jerusalem, 13 feet tall, 13 towers all the way around it so nobody could escape. He embanked them and he caused famine and starvation and they conquered the city. And Jesus, in this moment, in this prophetic moment from ordinary to extraordinary, sees this and he's stopping on this road and he's weeping because people need peace badly. I don't know about you, but for me, I need peace in my life, like supernatural peace. Like, I don't need more money. I, I don't need a bigger house. I don't need, like, a great vacation. I don't need any of that stuff. Like, those are good things. And Are you saying those are wrong? No, not at all. But they're not quenching the thirst in my soul. And Jesus is hurting because he's in love with these people. He cares about them. So much so that what you'll see and experience in Good Friday, he says, my life, I'll sacrifice it for them because I love them that much. And he's crying. And he knows what's going to happen in the future. He knows even about our futures that around the corner, he knows that hardships are going to come. Did you know in life, like a free little insider, like secret here, and most of you know this, but if you don't, hello, life's tough. You know that? You agree? And, and, and life hits you and sucker punches you sometimes, doesn't it? And it catches you off guard. And right when you think you get out of one thing, what's going to happen sometimes? You're about to step into another. And wouldn't it be great to step in with like a supernatural peace where people said, oh my gosh, you seem like you've got this peace about you that, that, that goes beyond my understanding. I, I don't know how you could be calm in a situation like this. I don't know how you're not freaking out right now. I don't know how you're not devastated. I don't know how you forgave him for what he did to you. I don't know. Why, how are you getting along with your family members and you're biting your tongue? What, what is going on? 
Jesus is trying to bring this kind of supernatural peace to their lives. And see, as we look behind the story, we see that God presented what seemed to be ordinary, the pledge, act one. And the truth be told, it was extraordinary. It was a peace, scripture says, passes our understanding. It was something that we need desperately that was elusive of us anywhere outside of Jesus. He's trying to bring this to you and I. And this truth, this statement is that we want the God we want, not the God who is. Isn't that so true? Matt Chandler says it this way. He says that we don't want the all-powerful, loving God of the universe to do as he sees fit. We want a divine waitress to fetch us what we want when we want it. And that's not how God operates. But God's trying to bring something. He's saying the outside. Have you ever wondered, have you ever looked at your life or, or look at my life? Some of the stories I'll share, Mark shares, all of us. We have conflict in our life, don't we? We have conflict. All the stuff I talked about, relational conflict, financial conflict. We have conflict. And the conflict always seems to be all around us. Have you ever looked at our political system? It seems like every time you turn the corner, they got conflict. Negative statements, disparaging comments. It's like nonstop. And then you look at the global scene, and it's conflict all over the place. And there's conflict in the Middle East. There's conflict in our turf. You looked at Florida a couple of weeks ago. There's conflict in a high school. You, you look, there's conflict. You look at your, your good friends and their marriage, and you thought, oh my gosh, you guys are splitting up. There's conflict. And the conflict seems to be all around us, doesn't it? Have you ever felt, be honest, have you ever felt conflict is all around you? Like, it, 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 like all of us feel that way, don't we? Look, if some of us are like, yep, right now, I feel it, man. It's like, it's pressuring in on me. It's like a million tons. But here's the remarkable part. Jesus is telling the Jewish people, I didn't come for all this conflict here. Because that conflict is always going to come. In life, it's always going to come. It's never going to, it's going to keep coming. I'll be lying to you through my teeth if I said, don't worry, everything's going to be peachy and awesome. Don't worry. That's not the case. You know that. You know I was lying. The truth is, Jesus knew that too, greater than I ever could. Conflict is here, but he says, can I bring you peace on the inside? See, conflict on the outside, you're going to have it. But conflict on the inside, he can bring peace to that. He has the power to give peace to a storm. He has power to give peace to your heart. Conflict. And I would ask you this question. I really think this is why Jesus is weeping and sobbing and he's saying, you're missing the clues. I came in on a donkey to bring peace. The palm branches, put them down. They're not war chants. Put them down, put them down. It's the singing. This isn't for some like nationalism or national ad. This isn't for the pride of our country. That, not that it's a bad thing. This is for the presentation of peace. They're singing because they want peace in their hearts. And the rocks... He said, if nobody else gets it, the rocks, the earth will cry out and testify. It'll tell a story of what I'm trying to say here today. Peace. Jesus is passionate for his people. I can remember having major conflict on the outside of my life. My home was in despair. It was a difficult time in the season. And I remember I got promoted to this basketball team. I was in eighth grade and I got put on varsity. It was like the greatest thing in the world. It was like the one good thing. You ever have that? Like the one good thing that's going on in your life. And you kind of like hold it in esteem and it's really great. Everything else is falling apart. It's like, okay, it's this one good thing, right? I got this. This is not going well. This is not going well. I don't even want to look at my bank statement. Not going well. You know what I mean? But this is going really well. And I looked at that moment in my life as a young kid who everything was falling apart and all sorts of stuff. And, and ever, all these guys in this team, I went to kind of like a, a private school and we could barely, we were the kids that could barely afford to be there. And the other kids were able like no problem to, to get there. Like financially, it was no big deal. It was a big deal for us. My mom cleaned toilets, scrubbed toilets. My dad worked at General Motors, blue collar. Like we barely got in there, you know, 
And uh, I, re- I remember everybody had Air Jordans and these really awesome shoes. And I asked my mom, I got to have Air. I need Air or something, you know. And so she goes, okay, no problem. And she got me a box and it said Air on it. I didn't even open it up because I wanted to present it to everybody when I got it there. So I got to practice and I pulled it out and they, they, people were pulling out Air Jordans, Air this. And I pulled mine out real slowly and they, they were not Air Jordans. They, uh, I held them up and everybody began to snicker and laugh. They, they were Air Franklins from Myers. <laughs> they, they were not Air Jordans at all. And my buddy looked over and, and he made a team too. He goes, dude, you got Air, you goes, you got Aretha Franklin shoes, man, Air Franklins. And I was like, what? And I'm just like devastated. And the senior started picking on me and yelling at me. And I remember grabbing him. I remember jumping out of, off the bench and grabbing him. And I put him against the wall. I'm like, quiet, quiet. I'm just so angry. It's so much conflict here. And it wasn't even over the shoes. Like, totally embarrassing. Mom, can't believe he did that, you know. But, but it was so much more. I remember this coach Slate, and he was like five foot five, this little dude, but nobody messed with him. And he came in, and he cleared, this, he cleared the room, and he prayed. And I just remember, I don't even remember what he said exactly. I just remember him saying something like this, God, can you, can you give Jeremiah peace in his heart? He seems to have a lot going on at home and a lot of things happening. Can you just give him a peace in his heart? Isn't that weird? I, I chokes me up thinking about it now because it was like so much conflict. Jesus is weeping. He's saying, I know you have conflict. He, he looks to us today and says, I know you have conflict. I know, I know it. I'm trying to help you with it. See, his peace is so real. His power is so real. Second Thessalonians 3.18 says this. If you've heard nothing, hear this. No, may the Lord of peace, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. The Apostle Paul writes this down. He says, oh my gosh, this is like, this is it. He's like, it's peace that we really need. I want to invite a friend of mine up named Ryland. If he could come up right now. Oh, awesome. We're going to get a mic. Go ahead, Ryland. You come up right now, and they're going to go ahead and get some batteries for the mic. This is Ryland Hunter Dewey. Come on up. You guys give him a big hand real quick. He, uh... This is, uh, you're okay, buddy. Come on up here. Don't worry. They won't bite. And even if they wanted to, they can't get to us. We're up here. <laughs> so I'm just kidding. But uh, I'll thank you so much. Ryland's awesome. I, uh, I, I met Ryland just a little while back, and I was so impressed with this young man because he really has the peace and power of God in his life. You say, are you kidding me? At 10 years old and in third grade, you better believe it. I think more so than even I do or Mark does or any of us do. And uh, Ryland, you were named after your great-grandpa, weren't you, buddy? Yeah, you, you totally were. And in fact, I think this is on right here. And um, I, uh, I, I just thought it was so amazing when I watched what God was doing in your life. And your life's not always been the easiest, buddy. Uh, see, Ryland's been uh, raised by his dad, Terry, who's an incredible, incredible man, and uh, with his older sister, Charlotte. Uh, and Ryland's been being raised by his dad and with his sister uh, without his mom because he lost his mom when he was just a little boy. And uh, but something in the middle of this whole thing, Ryland, I've watched God work so powerfully right here in your heart. He's worked so strongly and powerfully. And, and, and Ryland has remembered, uh, remembered some great scriptures in the Bible. I don't know about you, but you ever have a hard time remembering scriptures? You think of something? Look, all of us, right? Well, he, he memorized all of Romans 12, didn't you, buddy? The whole thing. And I asked him, I said, would you come in and recite it to us? Just to, not only just so we could hear scripture being recited by an amazing young man, but we could be reminded, more importantly, that the power of God is working in your life, even in the face of some difficult things, God's shining brightly through you. So I'm going to get out of the way, and if you would, I'm going to have Ryland recite Romans 12, the whole chapter, 
to you and I. Go ahead, buddy. Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, abhor is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, our repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap running coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans 12. <laughs> Dude. Like, woo! I was asking myself, I think, I think I need to show up to preach today. I think you guys need a Ryland. Ryland, man, you're awesome, dude. I love, and what you just read is so beautiful. The theme is all about having peace in our life. And above all, if we can live peacefully together, that was the heart of God. Man, thank you so much, Ryland, for being here today and reminding us the power of God in our life. Love you, buddy. You can go back and sit with your dad. I, uh, I'm so blown away when I watch and I'm like, oh my gosh, this peace is so real for a young little boy in his journey that has not always been easy. It's been very difficult, I think more than even you and I can understand at times. And somehow this peace that Jesus wanted to bring in, the peace that Jesus wept over, sobbed over. He's like, that's the kind of peace I want to bring to my people. He's like, that kind of peace because when you have peace, you know what follows? Power in your life. And if you can stand here today and say, you know what? I don't need a lot of peace in my life, and I definitely don't need a lot of power to follow in it. Then okay. <laughs> maybe you're doing great. But I think for maybe me and the majority of us, I would say, God, I, I really need supernatural peace. See, in Act 1, God, in Palm Sunday, that what seemed to be ordinary, I need more than ordinary in my life. I, I, I can do ordinary, and I screw that up. I need extraordinary. 
supernatural, extraordinary. I don't know about you. Do you need that? God, that's what I need. Jesus said, that's great. You need that because that's what I'm bringing. Supernatural, extraordinary peace in your life. So no matter what you face, you can have peace. You can face the storm and not freak out. You can look into something that is, seems despair and with no hope, and you can say, I think there's hope. I think there is. I think there's light at the end of the tunnel, see, because it's so beautiful, and Jesus brings light into our life. The darkness can't comprehend it. It can't push back on it. The light of Jesus pushes stronger and harder and pushes this way. You're going to see that on Good Friday. You're going to see the theme in Act 2 of love so great and so powerful and so strong that even death itself couldn't stop it. And on Easter, we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate this thing called the prestige, bringing back to life what everybody thought was done. Wouldn't you love to have that kind of, not only peace, but even on Easter, that power in your life? What everybody said was done, said your relationship's done. God said, no, it's not. The power of God, I, I can change that. He said, I can't seem to overcome this hurt in my heart, Jeremiah, this depression. And I said, you know that the peace of God and the power of God, it, it, it can overwhelm the depression for you and give you peace in the journey and the way there. My good friend in the back, he just started a step study. He's recovering. He's sober. The peace of God, and now I'm watching it, the power of God in your life is transforming your life and your marriage and your family. I'm, I'm, and I think God's not done. He's just at the beginning. This is what we want. See, when God speaks in this next song that McKenna and Zoe are going to lead us into, that when God speaks, 100 billion stars are born into existence. He's that extraordinary. When God speaks, 100 billion of our failures fall to the wayside. They can't even stand in the presence of an almighty God. They can't stand in front of him. When God steps up into our situation and says, peace be still to the storms in their life, guess what? The storms of your life, they subside. And daybreak takes place in your life. The horizon of a new day is there. The dawn of justice when you felt all alone is coming to your life. Jesus brings that. Palm Sunday was more than some moment in history recorded to a group of people. It was the inauguration, the invitation to peace in our life. I want to invite you to stand in this moment because I really think in my heart it's the right response. See, the reason they were singing on Palm Sunday is some of them knew the Savior, the bringer of peace is in our presence. And I'm convinced even today God, would you meet us here in this place? In fact, I want to pray just for a second. God, would you meet us in this place? Can you supernaturally bring peace to somebody's heart that is heavy today, Jesus? As McKinnon and Zoe sing, God, may these words be so true. God, when you speak, a hundred billion stars, they're born. You're that powerful. Jesus, be with us in this moment.
peace to the human heart because they long for it so bad, don't we? So badly we need this. We know that. Good Friday, we want to invite you back because you know why? He pledged peace, but he's willing to go to war with death for us. He really is. We're going to see. And then he's going to bring us new life on Easter. Incredible three acts that we see in Passion Week. And I just pray this, that you don't walk out of this place and say peace, maybe for them or them, but it's elusive to me. No, it's not. Jesus made this pledge to all people of all races, of all creeds, all over. He told the Jewish people, it's not one nation, but all nations he came for, you and I. God, thank you for the gift of peace that can be readily ours if we but ask. Jesus, if we invite you into our lives, nothing that we got to do on our part, but believe, believe that you are more than ordinary, that you're extraordinary, that who is this man? Are you the son of God? God, you'll answer in the resounding yes. Thank you for today. Thank you for reminding us that you love us and you brought peace for our lives. May you bless in your mighty name, Jesus, and everybody had said, amen. Hey, God bless you guys. We love you. We'll see you Friday night here at 6.30, okay? Have a wonderful Passion Week.